is going to be from the book of Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'll be in the book of Matthew chapter 16. And we'll be starting reading with a verse 18. And if you can, this morning we'll ask, if you can, uh, to please stand to pay reverence for the reading of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 18. Where we'll start. Word of God says this, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for once again allowing us to come together here this morning. We pray, Lord, that you continue to watch over us, lead God and direct, protect our members, protect our community, protect our nation and the world over, Lord, Father, from the many things that we have to face. And I pray, Lord, that you'll use the Scripture this morning to be a blessing. Lord, we pray that you can just hide us behind the cross, use these uh, unclean lips, Lord, that's not fit to bring forth the Word of God, uh, to uplift your kingdom and to continue to lead God and direct. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. You can't be seated this morning. So uh, today's scripture, uh, a lot of you have uh, probably read, but we're going to look at a particular piece in this scripture. Not long ago, we used uh, uh, this piece of scripture to talk about uh, what the building of the church was on. And it wasn't really built on uh, exactly uh, Peter as a certain uh, denomination or group of believers believe. It was really uh, built upon what Peter had said. Peter had said that thou art the Christ. Right before this, and uh, Jesus tells him, says, Thou, this idea, what you're believing in, Peter, is what the church is going to be built on. This is the rock, this is the foundation of what the church should be structured under. But what, what Jesus is really saying to Peter here is, is really more important than something that I saw this week that we're going to uh, focus some time talking about today. And that's placing confidence in people. That's uh, placing an idea that everything's going to be good, everything's going to work out. Uh, there's nothing better than having uh, confidence to do something. Now, if we think about the benefits of confidence, who here uh, doesn't like an attaboy? And who here doesn't like a good job? Uh, most people, I, I believe, if we really are, are true with ourselves, we like to be told that what we're doing is good. Uh, we like to hear that. I, I, I probably, I don't want to say I don't hear it very often, maybe at work or at home, <laughs> but uh, we, when we do hear it, we enjoy it usually. We, we say, wow, we, we hadn't heard that in a while. If you're not told that very much at work, and when you're told that at work, uh, you, you, wow, I, I've, I've done something good. If, you, if you're not told that at home a whole lot, you know, if you hear that, it's wow, it's, I must have done really good. So I think that everybody, uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt, likes to hear good job. They like to say, boy." I say, hey, thank you for doing what you're doing. And it's also been proven in studies that children that grow up in a home with a positive structure, with a positive attitude, what happens to those children has proven time and time again that when they're told that they can be whatever they want to be, they are good, they are smart, they are pretty, they are wise, all these different things, those children do better and flourish later in life because of being a confidence put in them. Having, having confidence changes us. Uh, from leaders all the way down to, to lay people, to, with anybody in, com, in the community, a confident people usually do well in whatever they do. Uh, uh, business owners, if they're confident in what they do, they do well in it. Uh, salespeople, if they're confident, if churches are confident in Christ, uh, they usually do well. It doesn't, 
it plays across the whole spectrum. We have to have confidence. We see that positive reinforcements result in positive reactions. Okay? In the church house, we have to be confident in ourselves. If you grow up and you're told nothing but you're fat, you're stupid, and you're lazy, guess what you're going to end up being? You're going to end up bad, fat, stupid, and lazy. So, Zach, those are harsh words. I've seen it. I've seen people that grow up in harsh conditions their whole life with a rough atmosphere that never end up being anything because of the harshness that's placed in their lives, the ugliness. Now, even if we see this, we see it in children, but we also see it in adults. If adults are constantly told they're not worth anything, they're not any good, and they're uh, surrounded with negativity, they end up just aspiring to be what they're called anyway. Even if they're not lazy or stupid or anything like that, that's what they're told they are. That's all they hear. So they embrace that. And we see here that when, when Jesus is talking to Peter, that's not how he talks to them. Uh, even within the, own, within the church, if all we do is we are negative to the kids. As soon as they come in, they're running around, they're playing. If all we are is ugly to children, that's all they're going to hear. Well, they're mean to me at the church. All they, do, all they want me to do is sit down and be quiet. Uh, if we're always ugly to the Sunday school teacher, try to tell them that they're teaching the wrong thing. Well, I don't really agree with how you're teaching that. If we're uh, too busy trying to prove the pastor's wrong with his message, if we're too busy uh, telling people how to dress right because they're dressing wrong, <laughs> we can make a plethora of things that we can take away people's confidence. We can be ugly to people within our own church and don't even realize it. We can be that person that takes away confidence. Now, Jesus instilled confidence in a whole lot of places in the Bible. He put confidence in people's lives. And we're going to look at some of them. I want you to definitely realize that Jesus is God in the flesh. If there's anybody that could come down and take the wind out of your sails and tell you just how sorry that you are, it's Jesus. Jesus could have told the whole lot of the disciples that they wouldn't count for nothing. You all going to leave me? You all going to hate me? But that is not what Jesus focused on in his ministry. Jesus focused on healing. Jesus focused on confidence. Jesus focused on love. Now, I want you to think about what Jesus could have done. He could have been hateful. He could have been rude. He could have, he could have been condescending with everything that he said, but he didn't. He built confidence. You won't find that. You won't find the condescending, the meanness, the hatefulness in Jesus' ministry. You look at what Jesus did here, and you understand that in 16, 18, He said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And we've already analyzed that before. We, we know particularly He wasn't saying that it was founded on, on Him, Peter in particular, but what He said. And in so many ways, He said, Peter, I am so glad that you grasp, you grasp what I am. You understand what's... And the church is going to be based on what you just said. Uh, he, taught, he, he showed him beyond a shadow of that. Peter, you're right. Uh, how many of us like that? You're right. Uh, you've done a good job. Uh, he looked at Peter and he gave him confidence. The same Peter that would deny him three times. Uh, the same Peter that after the crucifixion he said, I go a fishing. Uh, and it's the same Peter that misspoke about the temple tax. It's the same Peter that made all kinds of horrendous mistakes. Uh, and we've analyzed that before. But he, what did he do? Instead of telling Peter he's a failure, instead of telling Peter you're going to make all kinds of mistakes, he said, Peter, 
you're right. At this moment, you're right. Later, it's going to be right. The church is going to be found upon what you just said. He built confidence in Peter. He overlooked his faults. So many times, we are caught up in looking at people's faults. I do that. I do that at work. I've done that at church. I've done that in ministry. I've looked at my own faults probably way more than I, I probably need to. We all know that we're sinners. We're all fallen from grace. But we need confidence. And Jesus gives confidence. In John chapter 7, verse 17, it says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Now, what is Jesus trying to say to the disciples? Jesus is trying to give the disciples confidence enough to say that, hey, if you do something, you will know if you're following me, if you will know if it's of me or if it's of the world. It gives them the confidence to know, disciples, you are going to make good decisions. That's pretty much what he said. To sum up that verse, he said, disciples, you will make good choices. Because you will know what is right, and you will know what is wrong. And the church has today, I should not have to micromanage everything in everybody's life. And by golly, you know that I probably don't. I don't call you up and say, hey, I, I don't know, you probably ate too much last Sunday at that eating. Or, uh, you know, I, I don't think you were sitting in the right spot in the pew. I, I mean, why do we worry about micromanaging? Jesus didn't micromanage. He told him, if you know it's right, do it. He trusts his disciples. In a way, he says, you know, you will know to do good and you'll know the difference between good and bad. He put confidence in their lives because of the confidence he had in the disciples. In John 15, 16, he says, you have not chosen me, but he says, but I have chosen you you, and ordained you that you shall go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it unto you. Now, what did Jesus do there? He assured his followers that they would make fruits. You know what that was doing? It was giving them confidence. Is you're going to go out, you're going to work. How many of you have went into any kind of ministry? You've done something, you've done an outreach program, you've done visitations, you've done whatever. You've witnessed, I hope somebody here could say, yeah, I've witnessed at least once in my life. And you failed at it. I failed at them. I, at least I felt like I have. I felt like, man, that didn't work. <laughs> I, I've knocked on doors before, and after about a five-minute conversation, I said, boy, that was a waste of time. Boy, I ain't going to knock on that door no more. Boy, I'm, uh, I ain't going to pray for them. I, I thought that. Well, they were so mean to me, I ain't even going to say them in prayer. Zach, that's mean. That's, I lost confidence. I lost confidence in my ministry. I lost confidence and trying to be a witness for Jesus Christ. If you've done much of anything for Jesus, I want you to know, you felt like you failed. <laughs> I know. Just little things, I felt like, man, I don't need to do that no more. That don't work. And what did Jesus say with this particular piece of Scripture? It says, you didn't choose to follow me. I chose you. I chose you to follow me. So what you're going to do is going to bring forth fruit, and it ain't got nothing to do with you. I want you to realize if you go out and you've got any kind of ministry work, if you do something within the church, if it succeeds, it ain't because of you, no way. If it does good and a church flourishes, it ain't because of you. 
It ain't because of you praying. It ain't because of you doing so and so. It ain't because your name's on a plaque. It ain't because of anything you did. It's because of God. It's because of Jesus being in your life. Confidence in knowing that whatever I do is because of Jesus. If this does good, if it fails, it's for the glory and honor of God. No matter what we do, I go out and I visit somebody and they slam the door in my face. One day they might remember that old preacher being in that doorstep. I can't control that. I may have felt like a loser, but I've got confidence in knowing Jesus will bless. He'll give us fruits. If you work and you try, He'll give you fruits. I've chosen you, I've ordained you, that you should go forth and bring forth fruit. you got confidence today. Whether you're in church, whether you're at home, whether you're anything, I want you to know, if you've had an idea to do something, somebody has told you that it will not work. I have had a lot of ideas at work. I've had lots of ideas at churches. I've had lots of ideas to do certain things. Oh, and the worst thing you'll ever face is, guess what? Somebody doesn't like your idea. And then, you know, the whole church doesn't really like your idea. Or even you're at work and you have an idea. No, nobody likes that idea, Zach. That'll never work. And you had this idea worked out in your mind. Everything was going to work plenty. And it done decided it ain't going to work. Doesn't that hurt? Don't you lose confidence? Jesus will tell you no, too. Jesus will tell you stuff ain't going to work. You're going to do stuff on your own and not ask Jesus' opinion. Guess what? Ain't going to work. It ain't going to do good. What do you do? You still got to trust in Him. You still got to have the confidence in knowing that He is in control and He has confidence in us to know to know better. Ain't it good to know that the confidence in the church life when you're struggling, you think that everything's going wrong, is going right according to plan. <laughs> say, Zach, that's a tough one to swallow. I say, yeah. Yeah. You think I, I thought it was right for God to call me to preach? No. <laughs> I, th- I still think that's silly. I, my wife's back there. Yeah. She's giggling about it. Yeah. It's okay. I'm going to fail every time. If you're looking for a man to fill a pulpit and be perfect and never make mistakes and do everything right, you're looking for the wrong person and you ain't going to find it here. But I've got confidence. I hope that you've got confidence in God that He will help the church, that He will help you in your ministry, that He will help me. I hope that you have the confidence in each other. In Matthew 15, 37, And He took of the seven loaves of the fishes and gave thanks and broke them and gave it to His disciples and the disciples to the multitudes and they did all eat and were filled and they took up the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. Now, in Matthew chapter 15, I have read that a whole bunch of times, and I realized something studying this week I had never noticed before. I'll read it again. He took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and broke them. But I want you to realize what he did after he gave thanks and he broke them. And I, I, I somewhat overlooked this when I've read this before. It says, and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Jesus wasn't the one handing out the loaves and the fishes. Jesus was the one that blessed it and he broke it. And guess who distributed the blessings? Guess who went out there and actually did the miracle? Jesus might have broke the, broke the food and blessed it. Who actually performed the miracle? It was the disciples. The disciples is the ones that went around and that food just kept coming. That food just kept going. 
It isn't like Jesus broke it and doled it out to about 25 barrels of food and it went out. The disciples were the ones that were blessed. Why? Jesus had confidence in being able to hand the food over to the disciples. And the disciples had the confidence in trusting in Jesus. And in a two-way street, you have to have confidence in each other. If one person has confidence in somebody else and the other one doesn't have it in the other person, it causes problems. It causes it in a marriage. It causes it in a church. It causes it at work. It causes it everywhere. That's how it works. You have to have mutual confidence in each other. I don't call up Sunday school teachers. I don't call up a, a piano players for church. Hey, y'all got songs picked out ready? I ain't never going to do that. I have confidence in each other. I have confidence that people have studied. I have confidence that you prayed. I ain't going to call you up and say, you've been praying for the service this Sunday? I've got confidence that you have. I hope that you've got confidence that I've <laughs> got ready for the church. Ain't none of y'all called me up and said, Zach, you've been studying this week? Ain't happened yet. It's confidence. Two-way street. Jesus handed off that food and the disciples are the ones that experienced a miracle. You know, Jesus does the same thing with the church. He hands something off to the church, and the church has got to be the ones that have the confidence to go do it. You've got to have confidence because He's got it in us. You know, they could have said, Why, Jesus? How many people in the church do that? You get told something to do, hey, I'll raise my hand and say it. You get told something to do by Jesus, you know in your heart exactly what you've got to do. And say, why? The disciples, my goodness, at this point, I, I'd like to say that I would have said, why? <laughs> Jesus, I only see a few fish. You might have blessed them and break them, but why in the world do I need to go? I ain't going to get but two people. He handed them there and it just kept multiplying and kept growing and kept being a big blessing and kept being a bigger blessing. All the bellies were full. At the end of it, it says in this particular instance, there were seven baskets full of food. Does that make any sense whatsoever? No. Ain't that good that what you do for Jesus does not always make sense? It does not always just so clear cut. It is not, you don't know what the end result is going to be. While you're doing it, it makes no sense. But in the end... There are so many people that are blessed. You are blessed. Everything, everybody involved is blessed. The, the church is blessed. Your family is blessed. And these disciples here, they witnessed a miracle that they were a part of. And so many times Jesus, He spoke miracles. Uh, he touched miracles. He made mud, put it on eyes, and gave them sight. But at this point, He gave uh, something to the disciples. And the disciples are the ones that had the confidence enough to do it. I've been in church before. There's people that don't have confidence in Jesus. Ain't that sad? If Jesus came to you with a basket full of food and said, go down the street, you'll feed everybody on the street if you just keep going. If you'll keep going, you'll feed everybody. You say, that don't make no sense, Jesus. Why? Why would we do that? I don't believe that they thought immediately, well, this will work. No, they were blessed because they did it and they trusted they served, no matter how silly they thought it was. They carried out the orders of Jesus Christ, and guess what we should do? Carry out the orders that Jesus gives us. In Matthew 18, 2-4, And Jesus called a little child unto them, and set them in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you think that's only a lesson on humility? 
Well, yeah, that's pretty clear cut. That's a lesson of humility. But I'd like to think about that little child. Now, I'd like to think of a little old child, and I'd like to think it wasn't a little bitty child because, you know, they run around that crazy. So he probably grabbed him about a, maybe a six or a little seven-year-old, maybe brought him over there enough that they would sit down and be still for just a minute and sit on over there. And what did they do to that child? What, what did Jesus do to that child? He said, y'all need to be like this one. How much confidence do you think put in that little child? You know, Jesus stopped right there and pulled a completely, I think it was a stranger, a stranger child that didn't know, didn't know Jesus that well. If I just went over and grabbed him, just come over here. He might have been gotten on to by his family. might have felt like he was the lowest of the lowest children in that day. They weren't, they weren't exactly treated real well in a lot of different situations. But he brought that child over there and said, y'all need to be like this little kid. How big of a grin do you think that little child had? All those people that had been following Jesus uh, and they grabbed their child and brought him forth and said, y'all need to be like this little kid. Gave that kid more confidence. I bet that kid felt 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Uh, I'd like to think that later that child did amazing things. But we don't know. We don't know the kid's name. We don't know whatever happened to it. But at that point in that child's life, I believe that there was confidence enough placed in that child's life to change its life forever. Should the church be any different? Should we not be gathering children up and saying, y'all are what we seek to be? We want to be like, we want to have the humility of these little children. These little children running around, I love it. I love, see, the, I, I love to see old, old Braxton come up here and get that offering plate. Boy, and when he prays, <laughs> he is praying so hard. I love it. I do. He squints in my eyes and he is a praying. I love that. If y'all don't love that, something's wrong. <laughs> if y'all don't love that, y'all don't understand the humility in that little child. We need to have that humbleness. You know, the reason that children are, are, are humble like that, you know, they, they show and understand that they, they understand humility. They understand being smaller because they place more trust in older people. They do. Adults, they trust them to feed them. They trust them to take care of them. A little child will trust somebody. Adults won't. <laughs> well, I think second about trusting somebody to do something. Children will trust you. And that's the kind of humility we got. We got to have that trust. We got to have that humbleness. In Matthew chapter 20, 29 through 34, and as it departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed them. Behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. And when they heard that Jesus passed by and cried by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. I want you to realize the confidence that it took of those blind men to call out of a crowd, somebody that had not seen, somebody that had not heard, and somebody that did not understand. They had confidence to shout out over a crowd to get, get Jesus' attention. And I'm glad that Jesus confidently went over there and gave them what they asked for. Didn't ask them a whole bunch of questions. He gave them what they desired. Why? Because they had confidence. 
in the church house today, I believe success, it stems in a church, in a family, in a relationship, in a business. You can apply this to anything. For something to succeed, for you to succeed, you have to have confidence in what you're doing. You have to be able to trust that you know the one that knows everything. If you're serving the Almighty King, I mean, why are you worried about anything else in life? We ought to have confidence in bed and say, yeah, we can, we can do this. Yeah, we can succeed at this. Today... Jesus is in the business of restoring people. There's people that do not have the confidence. They do not trust in their own intuitions. They don't believe that they can succeed at doing certain things. But I want you to know that Jesus is in the saving business. Jesus is in the restoration business. And Jesus will give you the confidence you need. And He won't always give you everything you want or desire, but He'll give you confidence. You may feel like you're a failure, but you're not a failure if you're a child of the King. If you're doing things that Jesus asks you to do, no matter if it is to sweep up or to pick up or to clean or to do this or to do that or run errands, He'll bless you. You've got to have confidence. Can you call on Him today and have confidence that He hears you? Do you? Can we call on Jesus' name this morning and know that He hears our prayers? Do you have the confidence in knowing that you are saved by God's grace? That you turn your life over to Him, you've accepted Christ. Your, your sins have been washed away. That's where the confidence begins. I, I hope that most of that message there it really it only addresses Christians. That's the kind of confidence that we should have. The people that have never accepted Christ, the confidence begins when you get saved. The confidence begins when the Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, when He enters your life, that's when confidence starts. Everything will go well. Everything will go good. Not perfect in your eyes, but perfect in Jesus' eyes. He will bless you. He will give you confidence. And I want you to know something. I'm not trying to tell you everything's uh, peachy and wonderful when you accept Christ, but I want you to know something. It's confidence. I'm confident knowing that I'm saved. You know, that takes a whole lot off my back. I don't know about y'all, but knowing that I'm going to go to heaven no matter what happens, that takes a lot off of me. I don't have to worry about a whole lot of things. I, I heard a story. I don't know exactly who it was. You may have heard a story, too, of a guy going somewhere. I think he was in New York City. A guy pulled a gun on him, stuck it in his chest, and the guy just knocked the gun off his chest and said, You're threatening me with heaven? Get that gun out of my chest. <laughs> ain't that good to know that he's had confidence? And knowing, I hope that y'all maybe ain't quite that crazy, but I hope you got confidence. I hope you've got confidence today that you trust in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus has got all the confidence in the world in us. He already says that He trusts us to make the right decisions because He's with us. I hope that you are. As we stand... Oh, excuse me. As they get a verse of some song ready, you can stay seated while they do that. But as they get a verse of some song ready, I hope that you are confident believers today. I hope that you can show your confidence as a believer in Christ, and I hope that you have confidence in each other. Jesus has got confidence in the church. He died for us. He was resurrected. He has sent the Comforter to be with us. But I want you to know something beyond anything else. You've got to have confidence.